This is the South Bend Beat Podcast, presented by Alpha Dog Agency. This week on South Bend Beat, we spoke with Noelle Elliott. Uh, Noelle has a really cool story. Um, she was in L.A. for a while working with a production company um, and ended up coming to South Bend and has been here for about a couple decades now. And she started the very popular Monologues, uh, which is basically like a public speaking event where women can tell their stories um, and other women and men be in the crowd and listen to them. Last summer's event sold out in like less than 60 seconds. Uh, they have a huge social media following. Um, so we talked about that, um, how the events work, why they work, uh, public speaking in general. And we wrapped up uh, with a pretty fun round of Answer the Internet. So here is Noel Elliott. Enjoy. Noel, thanks for coming by. How are you doing today? Good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Um, I kind of want to jump right into one aspect of your life. So you're pretty big into the art scene and kind of yes. your entire family is. Yes. Can you give us a little bit of background on how you ended up in South Bend or how you started in South sure. Bend and uh, how you get involved in the local art scene? Okay, sure. Uh, I grew up in South Bend um, and when it was time to go to college, I felt like a lot of people that the way that you succeed is you go far away from the place yeah. that you grew up. And so I ended up going to University of Arizona and I was there for two years and I had this idea to move to Los Angeles. And so I told my parents, I'm moving to LA, I'm quitting school. And they said, okay, you can take a year off, but um, you have to sign a contract with us that if you don't return to college, you're on your own in a year. So. I went to LA and I worked at a production company and I um, waitressed. And then after that year, I was like, you know, I think school would probably be a really good <laughs> idea. And so I went back to school and I graduated from Loyola Marymount. Mm -hmm. And in that process, um, I met my now husband and he came back to South Bend. Um, he visited and he thought it was amazing. He's not from so where here. Is he from originally? He, he's from Massachusetts, but his dad was in the army, so we moved around. And he thought South Bend was just the most amazing town. And he said, "Well, let's just move there for five years and get on our feet when we figure out what we want to do." And that was um, 19 years and four kids ago, yeah. and we're still here. So. so is the rest of your family pretty heavily invested in um, arts? And, oh, yeah. yeah. So um, my dad is an artist and my mom it was a dancer. Mm -hmm. And so uh, like a ballet dancer <laughs> and um, <laughs> not you the other kind that. of dancer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, she doesn't dance anymore, obviously. <laughs> and um, and then my brother is an opera singer. Uh, my sister's kind of the one that's not in the arts. But other than that, we're all in the arts. And you mentioned before we came on air, your brother's in the South Bend Hall of Fame. Yes. So that's, uh, for those of you that don't know, when you walk into, I guess that would be the main doors of the Century Center. I, I think, I think so. It's from the parking lot. But on that wall where it's all the headshots, yeah. that's the South Bend Hall of Fame. Yeah, so it is. an opera singer, huh? Yeah, and his picture's there, and I always want to deface it and send a picture. <laughs> yeah, like, look. <laughs> but I don't. Yeah. So, yeah. 
So you went from um, Arizona to L.A. Mm -hmm. How did you get set up working at the production company? Uh, I met somebody at the gym who said, we're looking for an assistant for these producers. And I said, okay, you know, I'm not doing much. I didn't get paid anything. Um, I worked in the um, tower that was in Die Hard. I didn't know it was the famous oh, yeah. Die Hard tower until I was working there. And it really opened my eyes to um, L.A., and so what was that like? What was it like working at a... Um, well, I was their personal assistant, so I did everything for them. I picked up their cleaning. I picked up their dog from the vet. And I worked there for a year. Um, I had to listen to phone conversations of meetings that they were having. So you got a lot of dirt. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> did you have to sign, like, any NDAs? No. Uh, really? It seems no. like probably now that's probably a thing. but Probably. I think they were... They weren't super successful, so I think they wanted to be, but they weren't. But I heard things um, like... <laughs> you can go ahead. I okay. see you go ahead. <laughs> they, like in meetings, doing illegal things was yeah. very common. And where the meetings were, I mean, I could hear things in the background. I was like, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, and finally I, I quit because they got really upset with me. And like I said, I've been there a year. Mm-hmm. And I did something wrong. I don't know what. And um, in front of a huge office, he said, Danielle, get back here. And I said, what's my name? And he just sat there like, I've, I've been working for this guy. I've been doing everything for, for him for a year. And he called me the wrong name. And he couldn't tell me. And I said, my name's Noel. And I quit. So. Yeah, I don't blame you. Yeah, and it wasn't paying much anyway, and I was making more money waitressing. So. And it coincided probably about the time where you decided you were going to go back to school. Right, anyway. yeah. Okay. And I was doing the acting thing out there. I mm-hmm. was doing um, auditioning constantly, going to a room and seeing women that looked exactly like me. With, How nerve-wracking oh, is an audition? You see it on the TV so... shows like Entourage when Johnny Drama goes. And, oh, like, it's Is that really, what it's like? It, it is if you get that far. Mm-hmm. So you see everyone looking like you and you think, okay, I have a chance. And I, I, you know, it doesn't matter how talented you are. They're looking for a look. And that sounds harsh, but you understand it when you watch something like Friends and you can't picture Rachel being anyone else other than Jennifer Aniston. But probably hundreds of women auditioned for that. And they have a specific look and they... I, I've walked into auditions where I walk in and they say, thank you. And I don't even say anything. Wow. So that's a little harsh. So you have to have a pretty good self-esteem if you move out there. And a lot of people don't. So what was the game plan when you moved back to South Bend? Did you have anything lined up or you just um, knew you wanted to be no. in South Bend? So we, um, my husband and I both have theater degrees. He now is a teacher. I work in communications at Notre Dame. And um a theater degree, what do you do with that exactly? <laughs> so um, I got a job at U93 doing marketing first. Then um, I also love going to the gym. So I was there for a year and then got a job as a marketing director at a gym. Um, and then Notre Dame came along and so I'm doing that. So let's transition to the Mama Locks. Okay. Um, which is uh, kind of your big thing. It's yeah. Getting, it's gotten a large following on social media yeah mm-hmm. can you uh let's start with like the elevator pitch if someone says oh what are the monologues okay. how do you usually relay that uh the monologues is a staged reading presenting original works uh written and performed by the woman who wrote it okay and when did this start it started in 2012 
So you've been going for a while now. Right. And so I, I kind of found I'm in communications and that's fine, but that's not really my passion. And so I needed to do something that kind of helped me. Um, kind of hybrid the two a little bit. Yeah. yeah. It's all kind of related, but it, it just started from a place where there was an, I didn't expect it to go past one um, time. And I had this idea and it just took off. Can you tell us about the first time? Sure. Um, so I, I have two, um, I have four sons. And after my second son was born, I mean, they're really close in age. And I just fell into postpartum anxiety and depression and it was awful. And I felt like I couldn't really talk to anybody about it. I mean, this was in 2004. The internet was there, but it wasn't as big as you know it is now. And so uh, some girlfriends asked me to go to dinner and um, I just, I was very hesitant to share what I was feeling, but I just kind of threw it out there. And I said, you know, do you guys ever feel this way? Or do you, and I was really embarrassed that I was feeling these feelings. And they all related and said, yes. And they told their story. And after that, I was like, oh my gosh, I don't feel alone. I feel like I'm part of something. I don't feel like this anomaly that is going to be ridiculed, like this mother who, you know, is feeling these feelings towards her baby that aren't warm and fuzzy. And so I thought to myself, you know, I wish there was a way that I could share this with other people. And I mean, I write and I have a blog. And so I wrote something and it, it went viral very fast. And I was getting messages from all over the world, just saying, thank you so much for sharing that. I'm so glad I'm not alone. And I thought, what if I presented it? Because words can, you know, you can read something, but if you see someone actually performing it, and by performing, I mean just saying the words out loud, it, there's an energy that goes along with that that is unmatched. And so um, it was very relatable. And I, I asked some friends that were you know, at that dinner, I said, hey, will you guys just write a story for me about being a woman or a mom or whatever? And they're like, sure. And so they wrote something, and then I said, oh, and you're going to be presenting it. And they're like, what? <laughs> you know? And so I had it at Merriman's Playhouse, um, which is over, I don't know if you know, it's across from the farmer's market. It's like a small little mm -hmm. venue and it could seat 50. And I only advertised it on Facebook and it sold out like way out, like past fire code and um, 75 people showed up and I was happy. I was like, that was great. And everyone kept saying, when is the next one? So I, I, I don't know. And that's kind of how it started. So one thing I want to talk about is the, um, like even if you go to your social media now, it's the companionship and everything. Mm -hmm. And kind of a big buzzword now for whether it be depression or anxiety or anything is tribe. Yeah. It's like get around people, mm -hmm. um, whether they're like-minded or not like-minded, but just the human connection seems to help quite yeah. a bit. Is that something you saw from that first event mm -hmm. that carried through? Yeah, I, I really don't use the word tribe, but I use the word gang <laughs> because it's kind of a girl gang. And there's something in sharing something personal with a group of people, whether that is, you know, at a sporting event or if you're part of a group like a sorority or a fraternity, that you, you find your likeness with the other person. And then you kind of form this bond that you'll do anything for those people. They've shared something with you. And so it's kind of like friends for life. And and what women need more than anything right now is to realize that they are not in competition with each other. And if you can support another woman 
and not talk shit about her, that is going to get you so much further. Because what's the point of tearing down another woman? There really isn't one. We're all in this together, as with men too, you know. But in this case, it was just women um, realizing that they we have more in common than we don't. And so I have a different cast like every um, time I have the show. And these women, they kind of go off on their own as this group of friends. They have reunions and they, you know, then they support the show as it comes up. Um, but as it got bigger, I couldn't do it all myself. And so I have a friend of mine who is uh, the artistic director, and her name's Kate. And she helps um, kind of create the um, camaraderie and the events to do that. But also, um, she selects some of the submissions. You know, we go through them, and it's so hard because you don't want to tell someone no. <laughs> but we would be there for five hours right. if we didn't. So. So how does it take me through, we're going to do an event, mm -hmm. kind of like step one of that, and just how it works, how okay. it goes from that until that event has wrapped up. Okay, so I find a date, and mm -hmm. it's always in the summer because I have the summers off. That's the only reason. <laughs> <laughs> and so I um, say we're, sub, you know, we're selecting submissions now. If you have a story to tell, just submit it. And I don't give guidelines, really, because I don't want to stifle any creativity or something. You know, I don't want people to write to perform. I want them to write from their heart. And then we have an end date on the submissions, and we go through all of them and categorize them. Um, I noticed that sometimes, you know, with different ages, divorce is a very popular topic, you know, or cancer, unfortunately, has been. And so um, we kind of weed through those because it does have an arc. I mean, there's some subjects that are absolutely hysterical. Like this one woman, Allison, wrote about how she was on a diet and um, it just was like everything was going right through her. And she had to get a bikini wax because she was going on vacation. And then that happened while she was getting her bikini <laughs> wax. And it just was absolutely hysterical. So it's not all like serious stuff. It's just kind of relatable stuff. And so we, the beginning of the show is a little bit more intense. And then um, the headliner, as I call them, is a charity that we choose uh, that year. So the person presenting, for example, uh, a few years ago, we had 525 Foundation, which I don't know if you're familiar with her, um, Becky Savage. Unfortunately, two of her sons um, overdosed and both passed away. And so uh, she, I, I found her and I said, I'd really like you to read at the monologues. And she said, well, okay. Um, and when I met with her, the story that she presented was sharing what happened. And I said, that's, I know what happened, but I wanna know what was it like the first time you had dinner and there were two spots that were empty? What did it do to you as a mother? And she went back and she wrote and it was amazing and it, just tugged at your heart and um, so then we donate all the proceeds or a portion of the pro ticket proceeds to whatever foundation that we find and I, so you're up over ten thousand dollars yeah to over local charities or, mm -hmm. every year because number. we keep getting bigger and bigger and tickets are around I think I started them at twenty dollars last year they were 25 each and we have about 375 um, in attendance. Wow. And so, um, and then we have also the option to donate if they want to, because I never felt like I could make a profit 
from this because these are other people's stories and I don't own them, you know, and so I can't make money off of those. So that's why we found, you know, find a foundation or a charity to give to. And you've kind of spoken to this so far, but from that first event to where it is now, why do you think that it's taken off the way um, it has? I think there is something about being heard. And, you know, we, as a society, it's so easy when you're on social media to present this life that is perfect. Um, but to get up on stage and be vulnerable and speak a truth, and then someone in the audience identifies with that. And there's this energy in any live performance, whether it is a, a concert or a sporting event, when you're collectively sharing these emotions with the people that you're with, you bond with them. And I, before each show, I tell the audience that your energy towards the person up there is equally as important as the person telling their story because you feel it. You can feel an energy. If someone is not paying attention or looking at you negatively, you kind of have an idea. So if they can just be open and accepting, it's great. And so the woman, you know, I, I said one time that women go on there and they are terrified. For some reason, they want to do this. I have one woman who's been in a couple of them, and she's a local doctor, and she pukes before every single performance and says, I can't go on. And she does, and she kills it, and it's hysterical. But they walk on so afraid, and when they walk off, their shoulders are back, and they could take on the world at that point. And it's just kind of a bucket list item on why somebody would want to do that. So there's been a lot of studies done that show public speaking is a greater fear for more people than mm -hmm. death itself. Like it's just right. a non-starter freaks out. So you right. obviously see some of that. Oh, it, yeah. Are the majority pretty freaked out or the majority yes. you think are going to do okay? I even get freaked out, you know, and I have a theater background and I still get freaked out because when I'm not a character, I'm presenting myself, you're, you're naked up there. I mean, not literally, but you're naked up there and you think people are going to judge me, you know? And so I can see why it's terrifying, but it's exhilarating at the same time. About how many people will go in one event? How many women will speak? Um, that's really hard. The most we've had is 16, and that was probably too long because it went on and on and on. Um, but uh, I'd say the least amount is 12. Do you see, is there any difference between like the first or second and then toward the end where maybe the first couple are a little bit more nervous just because of the unknown? Uh, I think they're all equally nervous. Yeah. <laughs> but what's funny is that we have it at the brick usually. Yeah. And so we have a bar. And so people want to go last because the audience is mostly intoxicated by that time. Little comedian trick. Yeah. Yes. And so they think it's hysterical. And so everyone's like, can I go last? You know. And so um, I think people, once they see that the audience is being really um, – is participating and really present, then it feels really good. But the woman that I have go first, I know she's confident. She doesn't give a shit what yeah. people so think. So it is a little handpicked for the Oh, person. absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I select exactly the order that they're mm -hmm. going in because I want to have, or Kate and I do, um, I want to have an arc. And so, yes. And so it kind of leads, one leads to the other. Mm -hmm. And I want to show that we are really all similar you know we all have the same worries and issues but if you show them to people people are going to be accepting of it and I'm very very adamant about not recording it 
So yeah, that's what I was going to ask too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we so don't make them a little, a little feel a little bit more open and free if they know that it's not going to be recorded. It's not yeah. recorded, and if you take a clip of something and you don't see it as a whole, it it puts it up for ridicule or criticism. How can you criticize someone's story if they're telling the truth? How, how who am I to judge what you have been going through? I don't know the place that you were in, um, and so I don't want that. I don't want some troll on the internet commenting on something. And also, I don't want the the woman who presented to look at it and have, you know, to leave the stage feeling amazing, then watch it and say, oh, my gosh, that sucked. Because it never does suck. But, I mean, we've had incidences, you know, that have happened where somebody in the audience faints or something, you know, and we have to like (laughs) that. That was really that happened last year, actually. It was a friend of mine. And uh, I. I heard someone, Joanne was up on stage and she's presenting this really serious um, thing about her sister. And then I see someone yelling, help, you know, like waving their arms. And I'm thinking, what do I do? And I I have my master's in communications and one of the classes was crisis communication. So I'm thinking in my head, what do I do? What do I do? Uh." And so I jumped on stage and just tried to bring the attention to me because the person that fainted, the last thing she wanted was everyone staring at her. And I'm looking back there and some guys, it's funny because there's a, there's a lot of men that come to this, but they're sitting there and they don't, they feel a little uncomfortable. But when someone fainted, all the men in the audience like jumped up and they're like, I'll rescue her. (laughs) And so they ran over and they were tending to her. And I, I said to a friend of mine, I said, just give me the thumbs up if she's not dead, because if she's dead, I'm going to have to have a different crisis communications. (laughs) And so she wasn't dead. She had just fainted. And so I just started making jokes or something and trying to like diffuse. So we deal with stuff like that. But everyone's really understanding. So it goes well. So I want to ask about the arc, too, because you said Mm -hmm. there's a science to it. And even when you look like different directors in film, one director will want to put you on an emotional roller coaster. Mm -hmm. Someone like Tarantino is going to leave everything for the third act and blow it up. Do you try to stick to a specific arc for each show or does it kind of depend on the content that Mm, you get? It depends on the content. But what I do try and do is put the serious and the more heavy things in the beginning because I want people to leave happy or leave uh, feeling good. I don't want people to leave feeling really like, like oh gosh, yeah. you know, and it, it goes pretty late. And so I don't want people leaving, you know, feeling awful. And, you know, they, the people also, I should mention that go tickets sell out very quickly, very more faster than anything I've ever imagined. Yeah. Cause the brick's gorgeous, but it's not massive. It's, it's not, not a huge. huge auditorium. And so we do 375. Okay. We yeah. can put 375 in there. And last year, 375 sold out in under a minute. Whoa. And I didn't believe, I, I had my son. I moved this to the Joyce I, or something. I, well, <laughs> but the thing is, I like the intimacy of a yeah. smaller, you get bigger and bigger, you lose that. Mm-hmm. And so I, I told my son, I said, I just put the link live. I warn people, I'm putting it live, right? You know, at 8 a.m. on this date. And we were going to school and I said, could you just check the link? And he checked and he said, it's not working. And I said, you've got to be kidding me, you know? And when I checked it, it, no, it was sold out. So, Do people move tickets on the secondary market for this? <laughs> I've thought about that, yeah. you know, and I, I don't think so. <laughs> because I tell them, this is for a charity, you yeah. know, and so no, I don't think so, but maybe. So if someone's listening and, you know, they're like, this sounds pretty cool, I want to get mm-hmm. involved on sure. either one side. Can you talk about how the experience will be different from being an audience member and going mm-hmm. and just enjoying the show versus... 
I think I want to put my story in sure. and try to be a part of this. Um, if they, if a person hasn't been to the show, I would suggest going to that first to kind of see what it's about. And then um, that experience is going to be vastly different. If you're an audience member, you just have to go. You don't, you're not expected to do anything. Just sit, relax, and take it all in. If you want to present in the show, you have to think about something that is important to you. What is passion? What are you passionate about? What is a feeling that you have that you feel others could identify with? And why do you want to share your story? If you want to share your story to get attention, then this isn't the right platform for you. If you want to share your story because it's important to you and you think it might help somebody else, then absolutely, this is the, the platform for you. And um, I think that you'll walk away feeling better about yourself because one, you can public speak where maybe you thought you never could. And two, you're going to meet a really great group of women who are going to support you no matter what. And how cool is it to see the, because it is no matter what, usually public speaking, as you mentioned, once mm -hmm. you're done, that's like the highest of highs. They're so right. excited and they're mm -hmm. loving it. Is it real cool to see that every time they finish up? And oh just my gosh, life? it is the best feeling for me to see someone that was terrified going a in. Smile. Yes. And their biggest fear, surprisingly, is that they're going to cry. And I, I that heard. pretty often? Never. Really? It has never happened. Wow. Because I said, um, just from my theater background, if you cry, the audience can't cry for you. They feel sorry for you. If you're up there bawling, they can't hear your story. And there's not going to be, it's, it's a different dynamic. Let them cry for you. And if you can get that story out, then they're going to do that. Because when people cry, sometimes it makes people uncomfortable. Yeah, you kind of look around the room. Like, you look around the room. It's like, oh, gosh, when's she going to stop? And and then I have a, a habit of if I do get really upset, sometimes I can't stop crying, you know? Like it could be over something really yeah. stupid. <laughs> and so I just can't stop. And then it's embarrassing. And then I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I can't stop crying. And so um, I have this trick that if you feel like you're going to cry on stage, you clear your throat. I, I don't know where I read that. It could have been complete BS. But I heard that newscasters use this because uh, I guess you can't simultaneously cry and clear your throat. That's a good trick. The mm -hmm. better move there. I don't know if it's true, though, but they believe me. So. <laughs> <laughs> Any tricks for, because I, the one that probably hits me <clears throat> is I'll have like three thoughts in my head at a time, like I need to get to this, this, and this. Mm -hmm. And then that turns into zero thoughts, like in an instant. And it's, I have oh. no idea what's supposed to come out next. Do you, have yeah. a, do you have a tip or a trick for that one? Well, it depends. Are you in front of an audience or are you here? I'd say it's more so like presenting. Oh, gosh. Uh, well, first, you have to have notes. Yeah, I'm, I'm real bad with the notes. I'll you put a few bullet points have... and I'll like mm -hmm. roll with it. And then it's like, okay, between this bullet point and this bullet point, I know the few things I want to say. But then in my mind, they just all float away. Yeah, I think it will come to you naturally if it's meant to be said. Okay. And if you're saying, think about why are you wanting to say this? You know, same as when you meet somebody and they want, you, you don't remember their name as soon as you meet them because you're already thinking, what are they thinking about me? Yeah. You know, and so focus, that would be my, and I'm like the worst at focusing, so. Yeah, and it's, and it usually turns into, I don't, do you watch The Office at all? Oh, yeah. When Michael's, when Michael is starting his sentence, 
and it just goes absolutely nowhere. And he's like, sometimes I start a sentence, I have no idea where it's going. That's usually what I do. I just repeat myself for 30 seconds, and I'm like, all right, I'll just move to the next bullet point. So Yes, absolutely. And that's really funny because I've had um, times in – I do tons of meetings at work, and I get frustrated that no one sticks to the agenda, and it always gets off topic. And then a friend of mine said, the only thing that's in common with all these different meetings is that you're in it. And I said, oh, my gosh, it's me. (laughs) It's totally me. I'm the one that's getting off topic. So true. Yeah, it's me. All right. Well, um, I will circle back to uh, info for people to submit their stories and such. Sure. Um, Between that time, we're going to do some answer the Internet questions. Oh, okay. If you want to dive into that. (laughs) Sure. Uh, We have the cards here. And um, let's go with, are you a sports fan? Not really. (laughs) All right, then you get this question. Do you think there's more murderers or porn stars in the world? Uh, Are we talking like... So, yeah, the definition of porn star is paid for your work. Oh, see, I was going to say amateurs, but see, I would say porn stars. And here's why. Because now you can be anyone you can be an amateur and get paid and do that yeah so that really ups the number yeah so you might only get paid like five dollars but you're still you're a professional getting, yeah get you exactly in GAA, so. right so yes um would you rather change genders every time you sneeze or not be able to tell the difference between a donut and a baby oh i would change genders yeah because i think it would be are interesting. you a rapid sneezer though no. So you do one sneeze usually and you're good? So I would be that gender f- until I sneezed again? Yeah. Oh. Would I be a different person? No. Just me? I'd or have to Noel have an alter ego. No. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be kind of fun. I okay. would experience like being a guy. That'd be and awesome. Do you have any triggers that you know could make you sneeze? Like if you really needed to switch back? Like no. Like pepper or anything? Doing? No, but I would find some, I bet, if yeah. that was happening to me. <laughs> Search the world for yeah. it? Mm-hmm. Um... If you had to pick one person to be the ambassador for the human race, if aliens came, who would you choose? Oh, gosh. Uh, One person. You know what? I I would choose. I know this isn't a person. It's a dog. But I would choose a dog. Because think about it. If they came, you know when you walk into your house and your dog greets you? How wonderful of a greeting would that be? And you think that's you actually like yeah universal? So it's a universal alien? language. So you're sending a dog. Yes, because I'll be a, honest, that's the first time I've gotten that. Well, answer. good <laughs> because a human, I don't know your language, but a dog doesn't need a language. They communicate in a way that's like, oh, you love me, and you couldn't wait for me to get home, even though I just left. You know, so yes, it would be a dog. I like that. Let's send a dog. Okay. Would you rather live in the middle of nowhere, Iowa, the swamps of Louisiana? Or the wilderness of Alaska? I would say Iowa because I don't like swamps. Ever been ever been to Iowa? No. <laughs> that might change my oh, answer. Once well, uh, yeah, but it would be better than a, an alligator, you know, attacking me. Or it would be better than being cold. Yeah, I, I'm not a fan of being cold. No. And look where we live. <laughs> <laughs> if you were a general in the Civil War and you could get... So you're back in the Civil War. Okay. You get either a T-Rex mm-hmm. or like a modern 2020 tank in your army. Which one do you take? Okay. I would take a tank. Yeah, I think that's because a T-Rex, I mean. They had muskets. 
Um, right? In the Civil War? Yeah, but sure. But yeah, a musket sure. <laughs> can't, you know, penetrate a tank. No, I'm saying for the T-Rex. Oh, like they yeah. Could, they could probably get a T-Rex down after a while. Yeah, exactly. But it would be scary and pretty cool. And what, I don't know T-Rex language. So yeah, a, a T-Rex could, I, what would I, how would yeah, I know he wouldn't turn on me? Yes. The alien <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. No. Um, is it frowned upon for a guy to use a gift card on a first date? It's been a really long time since I've been on a first date, but no. You think it'd be okay? Think so. Why not? I mean. Thrifty. It, it's And that shows that, you know, he, oh gosh, that's a hard one. I guess, um. It doesn't show that he doesn't care, I don't think. Hmm. No. I'd say, say a 17-year-old girl asked your opinion. be like, hey, I went on a date with... Actually, that's probably more acceptable in high school. Let's say like a 23-year-old girl. Yeah. She's like, I, I like this guy. went on a date. We went to Ruth's Chris, and he pulled out this gift card. I say that's okay, because maybe he got it for an achievement. You know, oh. maybe he got it as a gift from his mom. Or, that, you know. That's half full. Yeah. Um, have you ever been stuck on an elevator? Mm-hmm. I feel like every time I'm on an elevator, I'm stuck, but not literally, but I, I really dislike elevators. You re- so do you take the stairs if it's an option? No, but I still dislike them. <laughs> you don't but, dislike them that much. No, but I've been known to touch a button and then, you know, someone comes up behind me like my boss or something. And I think, oh, I, I find a reason to like not get on the elevator. Just being in that close proximity with somebody that long is... So it's not really the trapped thing. It's more so. It's the company. Thing. If I'm in, if I'm alone, it'd be fine. Um, who would win in a fight between 10, 10 year olds or a hundred, 100 year olds? Hmm. 10, 10 year olds or 100, 100 year olds. Yep. Is that even possible? Is there a hundred, 100 year olds? Let's say we can clone them. Um, and then we're battling till the end. Um, I would say the 100 year olds because they'd probably have wheelchairs and canes real outside the box. Yes. And so they would probably win and they would be smart enough to, you know, out smart 10 year olds. And truthfully, a lot of 10 year olds are probably on their screens. Good point. You know, look up to be exactly right. And they don't. Are there any universally loved movies that you hate? Mm. Oh my gosh, this is this is not good that you asked me this. Um, okay, I I don't think that Star Wars is really Preach. that Preach. you know, and I I know people have uh, my sons are into it, and I just I don't I I don't get it. Yeah, you know, I, and I whisper I that because I don't want people to hear that. So I assume Star Trek also. No. Oh my gosh, no. Oh, no. Mm-mm. I don't like that. Yeah, the Lord of the Rings movies? I've never seen them. I mean, about Harry Potter? I've never seen yeah. that. Yeah, love it. <laughs> love these answers. I know, I'm sorry. I just, I can't. I don't know why. You kind of answered uh, this earlier, but dog or cat person? Mm, dog. Big dog fan? A huge dog fan. How many dogs do you have? Well, I have um, one. Uh, well, I have two now. So I had an eight-year-old. I have an eight-year-old lab, and last week we got a seven-week-old puppy. Oh yeah. Yeah, and so how's the puppy life oh, going? Oh my gosh, it's it's a baby. You know, like waking up in the middle of the night, and um, but he's just so cute. 
I just can't take it. And so his cuteness is just wonderful. I, I adore dogs. Would you rather know how you're going to die or when you're going to die? Um, I think I would like to know how. Mm. Yeah, because then I could try and avoid it. That's a good point. You know, I mean, if someone, if they say you're going to get hit by a bus, I would just avoid buses. Would you? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Never cross streets anymore. No. <laughs> would you rather wake up in the middle of the night to see a massive dude has broken into your house or see a ghost? Oh, that's awful. Yeah. I would say I would rather have a ghost because it could look like Patrick Swayze. <laughs> It's a very theater answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, think about it. He was a ghost. Um, a dude. So that's your ideal situation. You wake up to yes. a ghost of Patrick Swayze. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And he would be a ghost now yeah. because he's dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would be better. Mm -hmm. Well, what if, I mean, it could also be a pretty frightening ghost. Mm, but I know that I could just walk outside of my house and it's not going to follow me. You Where, do know that? Well, <laughs> don't freak me out. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, yeah. Well, or the, you know, daylight will come and they'll. Ghosts don't show up at night. Okay. I mean, in the day. In the day? Yeah. Mm -hmm. No day ghosts? I don't think so. Okay. That seems logical. <laughs> um, so the last one here. If you had to win a game show to stay alive, which mm. game show would you choose? To stay alive. Um, so are you saying I would need to win it or I just knew I was going to win it? I mean, I guess both. Because if I, I was on Jeopardy, I would not win. Well, then I'd say don't choose Jeopardy. Okay. What about I, like... Um, uh, like useless information. Like Ellen has a game show, I think. Does she? I think so. Oh, yeah. yeah you get dropped. dropped. Yeah. yeah. I okay. think I would do that. I'd be good at be just having the floor open up. What are some of your favorite TV shows? Oh, um, right now I love Schitt's Creek. Okay. See, I keep hearing good things about <laughs> that, but I haven't watched it yet. That is so... It is really endearing and funny. And uh, Gene Levy, I didn't realize... It's kind of a family affair. And you think it's going to be one way. It's absolutely hysterical. I like that. And this is a very embarrassing thing that I'll tell you, but it's me being vulnerable. Yeah, good. Um, I watch Days of Our Lives, and I have not stopped watching Days of Our Lives since like 1994. So you've been in it since 94. Yeah. I mean, there are times where I've like fallen off for like a year or two, but then I come so back and it's still there. You do pretty well. Oh, I would do amazing. It's very confusing, but <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's so much so that my sons make fun of me that I watch it. Now, is it this over Will they like just resurrect people that have been killed off? Oh, before? yeah. That or you'll just get often. a different body. Like Stefano. I'm sure you know who Stefano. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Stefano. He really died, like literally died. Like the actor? Yeah. And so now they have him. He, his conscience has been put in another actor's body. <laughs> you lie. <laughs> it has. And so now he's Steve Johnson, who used to have a patch. And now Steve Johnson doesn't have a patch because he has a bionic eye. Good to know. <laughs> so I consider myself, you know, a pretty sane, educated person, yeah. but I cannot stop watching that show. Um, I mean, oh yeah, guilty pleasure is good for everybody. Do you watch The Bachelor or The Bachelorette? No. No? Mm -mm. Okay. So, yeah, it's just days of our lives. Just kind of swap. Yeah. Well, and it's both scripted, if you yeah. think about yeah. it, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, one more I will think of for uh, sure. to plugs. 
if you're just looking to go out to like for a nice dinner locally, are there a few favorite spots mm, you have? Yeah. So I love Fiddlers. Okay, yeah. I absolutely love Fiddlers. Um, I don't really get to eat nice. What do you order at Fiddlers? <laughs> um, I did. They have this kale salad, wilted kale salad. You go to Fiddlers for a kale. I know. Salad. I know. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds crazy. <laughs> um, yes, I do, and I also like sushi. And so, um, Matuba. Sushi spot. Okay. Have you been to Matuba? Oh, McKinley. Yep. Yeah. Or uh, Toyo. I love that. I Toyo. Toyo is by Bonefish. Oh, and the little like mm -hmm. Salon Rouge and Coldstone and everything. Yes. There? Okay. But my all-time favorite food is um, Mexican food, and so um, anything Mexican, like La Esperanza, is pretty good. Just went the other night too. Is it Monterey that's on McKinley? Mm -hmm. yeah, that's that's good, good too. And the margaritas. I'm a tequila person, so yeah. the margaritas are very good. Awesome. Well, let's get to uh, a few plugs. One, sure. Kind of hit us with all of them. Where they can find it, where they can find info. Okay. Um, if they're very quick with their fingers, where they can get tickets, mm -hmm. and if they think they have a story worth telling, how they can get that in front okay. of you. Okay. So our main hub for the Momologues is the Facebook page. So it's just the Momologues. Facebook page. And we'll link it in the show notes too. Okay. And then we recently did a website, which is therealmomologues.com. And that will give you information uh, to submit their submission, you know, information on those websites. And it's an email address you submit to the email, which is realmomologues at gmail.com. And as far as tickets, um, I don't, the, the link is top secret until I announce it on Facebook or the website the day before. So they do get like a 24-hour They get 24 up. hours heads up, and then uh, they go on and... It's kind of like concert tickets. I just got to hit refresh, yes, refresh, refresh. Yes, and refresh, so sometimes fun. I'll get hate mail <laughs> that says it was in my cart, and then when I went to check out, it wasn't there. Sorry. Have you ever had people just try to show up yeah. without a ticket? Yeah, <laughs> and... and you to be completely honest, I usually let them. Well, I don't know if you should say that. On I here, know, but, <laughs> but they have to stand. But not anymore. You're not. No. 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 And um, I, but or they have to stand the whole time. Okay. You know, but usually it all works out. Now, so when you go to the brick, you put people up top too. No, no. because the sight lines aren't that great for mm -hmm. up top. Um, but there's bar stools and people stand. And you do open the bar. You mentioned oh, the, the bar is amazing. The bartenders. I heard that the bartenders make more money on that night than the rest of the year. Oh, they probably yeah, love it. Because these, oh, not all women, but they really like to get their drink on. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> no. All right. Well, thanks for coming by, Noel. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Kyle. Uh, look forward to see the content you keep pushing out. And uh, again, thanks for your time. First, it might seem like a lot, but they all play and they roll. Put that on anything that I got, and all I care about is my city, man. I can't say it enough. I done heard things about y'all that they can't say about us. I just hold it down for my side. I just hold it down.